Hello, everyone. Welcome to Spoiler Alert, a weekly talk radio show for movie and television lovers. I'm your host, Sean Dunham. And these next couple of weeks, we've decided to do a little show about each of the films released during our birth year. But I cannot do it alone. I am joined by bleach blonde, sexy vampire Jeremy Legui and the extremely rude heiress with amnesia, Sonia Stanger. Hi, guys. I'd like to speak to the manager. <laughs> Uh, I, I'd like to I'd like to brood in a way in the corner that makes it look like I really want to be talked to. Yeah, get off my carousel, uh, yeah. Kiefer. Mm-hmm. And then I'm gonna punch dance my way out of here. Okay, you guys. <laughs> I'm, should, gonna, King. I'm going to lay down the scene for you. The year mm-hmm. is 1987. A dozen eggs is 65 cents. The Tracy Ullman show airs a cartoon short called The Simpsons. Ronald Reagan says a few words at the Berlin Wall. And also, a beautiful 10-pound, 9-ounce baby boy was born in southern Saskatchewan, a Virgo. Um, that was me. Also, many iconic films were made the same year. And we're going to talk about them. A great year for you babies guys, and films. Why was a great 19... year for babies and films. Why was 1997 such an iconic year for films? I don't know, but it really was. Literally, I was like, you know, making a little list and I'm like, everything on this is a classic. Like, like very many, like, (laughs) I can't stress enough how much they're classics. We've got Princess Bride. We've got Fatal Attraction, which I feel like are both, both of these are referenced like constantly. Mm -hmm. We've got Mm -hmm. Hellraiser, um, Adventures in Babysitting. And then just a full uh, a full roster of of other films that I have not watched are very duty movies. We got a full metal jacket, we got a Robocop, a lethal weapon. But yeah, it's kind of outrageous. I I I have a theory. It's Jeremy's running theory. I think I've talked about it. I don't know. Okay, please. But I tell. think I, I think overall, I we have to go back. I think overall the the films of the seventies were often quite good, but like were were like long, and they like they just let that camera roll, you know, like they mm-hmm. just let it. Oh yeah. And and when whatever thing with like if someone got home from work, you saw them get home from work, like you just saw like you saw the whole thing. Yeah, they walk in, they and, use the key. And I think the eighties is like a direct response to that, where people are like, "We love what you're doing. I just want to see something cooler." Like I just want to, like I just want to see something else happen, and then of course technology and such happens. You think but we're making is... the hair higher and we're making the cuts shorter, baby? Let's, <laughs> let's go for it. These yeah. kids are let, these kids are wild. Let's get wild. But I do think there is like a very big sort of like risky time that was the eighties, and I think like we're right in the sweet spot, Sean. That's what I think happened. Yeah, you're coming up next. Uh, you will also remain in the 80s, but ooh, mm-hmm. Sonia slides slides out of the 80s for her show. Yeah, but let's see what happens. But I wonder if we'll see. I wonder if we'll be able to see what we see the downfall of film, or maybe not. Uh, we'll perhaps keep going odd years to see where the fall the fall happens. I yeah, where is the fall? Honestly, the fall? my year might be the fall. You guys, I was looking at some lists, or I was I was looking ahead, and I was like, "Ooh, my year is not as iconic as yours." <laughs> See, but like I, well, there are some. But we'll we'll talk we, about it. Yeah, maybe we need a fourth show. Maybe we need a to compare and cra- contrast show at the end. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, like, do you think that just 1987 was a particularly magic magical year, or that it was sort of a very heyday of cinema? I feel like it's kind of both, to be honest. Like, just in doing a very brief and informal survey of kind of like the top movies of the few years preceding and the few years following, it, like, there are quite a few very iconic movies that are now classics. But this year did seem to have even more than some of the others. Mm-hmm. I think it's right on, right on the bell. Mm-hmm. Or like, right on the bell oh, curve the bell kind end. of thing. Yes. Yes, uh, just because, I don't know, like, you like you look at this list, and it's almost baffling, because you're like, really? Like, this all, like this came out the same year as Superman 4, and it's not that Superman 4 is a good movie by any stretch of anything, but it is, like, prominent in how bad it was. 
Yeah. Mm. And that it's not like, on anyone's top anything. Yeah, it's like when you find out that what the Greeks and the Egyptians were up to at the same time. You're like, really? That oh, was the same I, historical you know. moment, yeah. Yeah, like, it's just like, okay, that's, you know, that's really confusing. Wow. Uh, but I guess that math makes sense. That's a great comparison. Mm-hmm. In some ways, Hollywood <laughs> in 1987 was like <laughs> Greece and Egypt, Egypt at whatever <laughs> whatever era that was. You, you heard it here first. Um, yeah, like, if you are a moviegoer, you're holding five hot little dollars in your hand. Like, I don't know if you know what to do. You're in this theater and everything is there. Um, okay. And another thing that struck me about a lot of these films is that it's so weird that many of the actors are still in the game of these, like, 35 years ago. Mm-hmm. What is up with that? Why is there no retirement plan for actors? Who uh, can, we, I... can we have some examples? Well, we got as as I was uh, talking at length about. We have Cher. Mm. We have we have Nick uh, Cage. Um, maybe not a lot of these are like still working, but like a Goldie Hawn, a Christian Bale, uh, a Carrie Elwes, just like. People that starred in these films and then are just like, and they're still working and they're still around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I do think there is like a uh, a thing about, I, I don't know. Because when did, when did we all stop going to the movies? It was kind of like, there's like a, when was Blockbuster? I'm going to the movies tomorrow, pre- baby. That's true. But this was pre-Block, like, like in the, in 87, if you wanted to go to a movie, like this was your only option. This is it. Yeah. Mm. And uh, when were... Hold on. Let me Google. When did VHS tapes come out? Oh, sheesh. I think, I think around this I, time. Right? I have no idea. Early 90s? We did a whole show on this and we already forgot. Mm-hmm. It does... It says... It says 77. So they yeah, probably would have been... the real people. The real people. I know, but that's like... If they came out in 77, you know... 10 years later 87 they're probably out there maybe they're still expensive but it's still but um okay the last thing we're gonna i love it when jared googles on the show so we just have to vamp for a minute yeah (laughs) we just watch him concentrating and typing i really don't have a good setup for it when 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 we're live when the need strikes you gotta roll we need a producer Mm -hmm. That's true. We need an editor. We need to talk yeah, to who was ever editing in the eighties and get them on our show. First blockbuster eighty five. So we're like we're right in the heyday there of all that stuff kind of coming together. What do you mean the and first think... blockbuster was in eighty five? What is that? Who, what? Like the, the first blockbuster like the video store? Chain. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. Sorry. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> under, under, I understand why you're confused. Sorry, Star Wars. Um, you don't count. <laughs> I was but, like, uh, I think that we like, can't just say that. Okay. Like if you're thir- if you're an actor and you're 30 years old, 40 years old in the late 80s, like you've got a lot of time. You like you're riding through all of the different things like DVD, VHS, blue like you get all these like different opportunities. Ooh, thick all and, the opportunities in the industry, right? Um, but you like these I don't know. These people became like our like old time like this was the 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 base of of our lives. It is right? kind like of in our terms pop of, culture base, and actually, yeah, like in terms of millennial, yeah. And I feel like in the last few years, you know, time has taken its toll, and a few of them are starting to pass, and they're actually passing quite quickly. A lot at the same time, if you, <laughs> or it seems like that to me, anyway. It definitely feels that way. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, let's get into maybe. You know, oh, let's talk about what would you say is a film that is like the most impactful today from 1987 that you guys are like, this is still uh, groundbreaking or like has reverberations to this day. For me, and this is sort of like my personal answer, it's got to be Princess Bride. And I I feel like that's true for a lot of people. I don't know. Like, are the children still watching it? Hard to say. But... 
I feel like it's had a very enduring presence in terms of like its quotability. Like you said, like it just gets referenced all the time. I feel like it's still in the ether. Yes, I I think that's a very good suggestion. Uh, I think, Sonia, I think you're completely right. I think uh, it'll, like, it's probably a moment of cinema that I don't think will ever really be gone. Uh, like, it'll, is it in, like, the Criterion Collection or something? Like, where, where it'll be kept safe for the rest of time? It's probably uh, in some, it did... it's definitely on a bunch of AFI, 100 years, 100 laughs, or whatever those oh, for sure. insane lists they make. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I also think from 87 that at least, I don't know. I don't know how personal this is. Uh, Sonia, I feel like you like you may have won that question. So this might be like number two. But I, I do think Planes, no, Trains, and Automobiles oh, is yeah. also a very like huge, incredible kind of thing that is just sort of stood the test of time and oddly just becomes truer as we get more frustrated with travel and uh all all of the fun things i am really scared for when they remake this movie and it just becomes oh. about unable to connect to wi-fi <laughs> it's like and i i hope it never happens ubers subways and oh gosh <laughs> i don't know sean oh no <laughs> ubers tes- or something ubers teslas <laughs> this is an easy <laughs> That's like oh, that actually, and it's about the gig economy. In this moment, that's a good movie. <sighs> Jacob Elordi tries to get across, <laughs> tries to get to his town over Christmas. Um, yeah, I think there's a few that I think are, uh, have that are still important. I think that I'm torn between both Fatal Attraction and Hellraiser, hmm. just because mm-hmm. I think that they both were very pioneering films in their genres. They're like. Fatal Attraction and the sort of sexy thriller of which the 80s is uh, made for. And then also horror for Hellraiser. Just because mm-hmm. you, whenever someone has a film that is like, um, even just like about someone that's become a sort of obsessed with someone, it's always Fatal Attraction. Like Fatal Attraction mm-hmm. is yeah. in the mix. They're like, it's like Fatal Attraction meets this or whatever. It just, mm-hmm. it, I think it really, it really broke the mold for that. Yeah, it's, it's like the so word text of those movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there probably is something to be said for like a lot of the people making movies now were very likely just time-wise heavily influenced mm. by these ones, kind of in the same way that we were. And I do think you're right, especially how, is it Gen X or Millennials who like references? Is it both? Um, I would say well, both. We never, yeah. we don't, we never talk about Gen X. Gen X is not... <laughs> unfortunately spoken about usually they're the secret generation (laughs) i talk talk about them all the time uh but uh it is it is a thing where definitely like i don't know i think we all enjoy a good reference when it comes up or like a good easter egg or a good sort of nod to something else and like they just made a new hellraiser like this year i think there's a new one uh, and it looks great and hellraiser though i don't know i don't know but Hellraiser the first was I think very groundbreaking just like in terms of special effects and mm-hmm. um, I know even just like how the villain the villain is kind of the stepmom <laughs> like it's yes. not it's yeah. not the mm-hmm. Cenobites the Cenobites are like we show up we do our thing this is our this is mm-hmm. how we live but she's like the real creep. Yes, for sure. And I don't mind having a, a, a villainess. No, of course not. Hashtag girlboss. Hashtag girlboss. Oh my God. Also, I forgot about Dirty Dancing 1987. Mm-hmm. That's also. Is that been this year? Too? Yes. yes. Oh my gosh. That also is wow. like literally was in theaters this summer. Yeah. I went to see it in theaters. Man, these guys are competing competing hardcore it's crazy but i i i do think this time frame does give something to the whole idea of like you've got an idea execute it get kathleen kennedy on the horn she'll green light it just go go all the way you know you want to make a parody of uh star wars called space space balls mel sure oh my gosh yeah yeah Yeah. how much is it going to cost you oh you can use the set from superman go nuts buddy (laughs) Uh, i don't know if that happened go nuts bud 
Um, oh, go for it. Okay, let's talk it. Let's get into some things that we watched this week because we got to mm-hmm. talk about these movies. Mm-hmm. We do. Um, Sonia, did you see anything good? Oh, from boy, the beautiful did year I. of 1987. Boy, howdy! It was very hard to decide what to watch because I knew I wasn't going to have time to watch all the things I wanted to. Um, but I'm happy with where I landed. So the first thing I watched um, was one of the most unhinged and horniest things I've ever seen. And I loved every second of it. And that was <laughs> The Witches of Eastwick. Oh, yes. <laughs> you've got Cher. You've got Susan Sarandon. You've got Michelle Pfeiffer. You've got Jack Nicholson as a devil who blows into their small, I think, Rhode Island town. Sleepy town, yeah. And they mm-hmm. are maybe witches. I think they're witches. Um as the title might perhaps suggest, but they kind of don't know it. Mm-hmm. Or he, yeah, awakens something in them. Yeah. Maybe parallel mm-hmm. to their sexiness. Who knows? Yeah, and they're kind of like, I don't know. I, th- I guess I was reading some stuff about it, and I think in, like, the book that it's based on, they're kind of more, like, outcasts. Um, but in the movie, I don't know. They're kind of just normal. But then, yeah, he blows into town, and... Each of them separately and then all three together have this torrid love affair with him. And then they basically form a little like dark polycule, <laughs> like witchy devilish the polycule. Darkest, the darkest polycule. In his mansion. And the whole town is in a big flap about it. Um, and a bunch of stuff happens, and the, but also kind of nothing happens. And then yep. they dis- they get tired of him or kind of realize that he despite pretending to be a feminist king early on, is just another male manipulator. Um, and they try and get rid of him. And he gets them all pregnant. Spoiler alert. And, he, and they kill him using magic. And Meshi? also, Lynn Cartwright is her name. Plays Veronica Cartwright. Icon- Veronica Cartwright. Yeah. Plays oh. an iconic uh, religious zealot that is trying to... She's like... And I forget, she's just like trying to spread the gospel that he is a terrible man and then she has a extremely shocking church scene where everyone else is eating cherries all, all the uh, other ladies and she is just spewing out cherry pits out of her mouth in the church it's crazy yeah it is wild um yeah it's just have you guys both seen it yeah and actually i played jack nicholson for a uh, dance routine where three other dancers were the three witches and we, to uh to the opera that's playing uh i forget what it's called um anyway the opera that's playing we did a routine to that and then the there was a a bunch of balloons that were supposed to fall we had like a serving tray and then i was going to push them all through the balloons like the scene in the ballroom, but then the balloons didn't really fall. But uh, the rest of the dance, <laughs> the rest of the dance looked cool. Devastating. Yeah. Yeah, because some of the best parts of the movie are like just the random magical moments where he's like using his powers mm-hmm. to make all these delightful things happen. Um, like yeah, there's the scene where the mansion is like filled with all these balloons and they're like running through them, or like when they start flying and they each kind of have these like really sexy makeovers. He kind of, yeah. I think what happens is basically he kind of like awakens their hedonism, each of them. Like Susan Sarandon especially is this like really uptight music teacher. And then it cuts to her after the first time she sleeps with him. And she's just wearing this like beautiful polka dot peplum bathing suit and her hair, everyone's hair is so wild in this movie. Everyone gets like bags of hair to, like, oh, to throw on. Just these on. huge curly and like red, of red, blonde, and black. Yeah, yeah. And it's so iconic, honestly. At every like throughout it, I was just like, "What is going on? What is this?" And I loved it. Uh, I also I I didn't watch it this week, but I have seen it a long time ago. But the scene that always stands out to me is it that they're doing voodoo on him. Yeah, and then yeah. he's like, and he's like yeah. being thrown, and he's like writhing in pain, and like they're like, and it's all just like. Jack Nicholson and a dude, if I remember, and a fan and a whole like bunch of cotton or something. Yeah. And like it is just like a crazy little experimental film for t- five minutes. Yeah, yeah. the with which, the feathers. Yes, which just makes it nuts. Uh but that's what it's all about. That's the whole point of the eight eighty seven, right? It yeah. is. 
And it's the whole point of Cher in 1987. Ugh, so hot, Sean. my God. Sean's upset. Well, you both are obsessed right now Okay, about the Cher. Believe, so in 1987, she did Witches of Eastwick, Moonstruck, which we'll talk about later. Mm-hmm. Um, the music video for I Found Someone, which is very sexy. And then a film called Suspect, where she plays a sensual attorney that is trying to get um, her client, like, off. And uh, there's... Uh, <laughs> if <laughs> not, a, not in that way. <laughs> and uh, I was just like, it's funny that no one's ever spoken of this film before. It, I wanted to, I was like, should I watch this? But I didn't. It's probably not very good. Yet. But I bet she's... And then great. also, and then looking at her IMDb brought me on to the cursed film bobbleheads from 2020 where she plays the voice of a bobblehead and i advise no one to look at it but i did send the trailer a lot yeah you, i was gonna say you spread the curse i spread the curse a very it follows curse with bob Bobble, bobbleheads is probably the next cats for us Oof. well i think that it went with not even a whisper or a whisper yeah. that is like wow no one even found it bad enough to say anything they're just like Ugh. Bobbleheads, you mean? Bobbleheads. Yeah. Bobbleheads. We gotta find it. Bobbleheads. It's gotta be. It's gotta be available somewhere. She has one line in the trailer. Hey, bubbles, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> Sean's your voice is one of my favorite things on earth. It's super great. It's perfect. Um. Okay, Jeremy, do you have a quickie? <laughs> I do. I I do have a quickie that I would like to mention, just because it's the most ridiculous thing uh, on the planet. I've talked about it before. I mentioned it last week, uh, and that's Sylvester Stallone's Over the Top. Okay, mm. I saw that in the list, and I was like. My yeah. eyes couldn't so, even focus. They slipped right uh, away off of it. <laughs> I I tried I I tried to watch this this week, and I will watch it at some point. But like, it is just covered in cheese. Like, it is just the cheesiest movie of all time. Uh, I don't know if you guys know what over the top means, mm-hmm. but I'm about to explain it to you, listeners. I'm sorry. I'll do my best to describe. Like, what I guess I do, hands. but so uh, so uh, this is a movie about professional arm wrestling. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> and Excellent. Sly Stallone plays a truck driver who just really wants to get time with his son. And he's almost to the point where he can win all the arm wrestling things. Because he has this move mm. where when you're arm wrestling, your hands are clasped. Forgive me, one of my hands is upside down. Yeah. You go over the top. Right, right. Is that <laughs> I was going to say, I don't, I don't believe. I, I don't think so. I wouldn't stand but, for it if I was in an arm wrestling competition. Same. But the deal, the deal. The deal for over the top is that it lets you like twist your opponent's arm a bit, yeah, and then they lose all the power, and that's anyway. It's about his signature move. That's <laughs> what the whole thing is. It's ultimately about a father and son who are just trying to reconnect, and that way it's actually kind of nice because, uh, like a lot of his like his son comes with him on the road and like learns about all of the, these things. Um, I will spoiler alert tell everyone the end of the movie. Uh, he's in the final round of the of the competition. Of the arm wrestling competition, yes, yes, and uh, they keep breaking, so they can't like they like the guys keep slipping and they can't finish it properly. So they bring out the thing where they have to tie their hands together, and he's unable <gasps> to, to go to over the top. top. No. Yes, and you guys know what happens in the triumphant move where he wins it. He still wins. I don't know. He. No, he undoes that Velcro. No! Wait, what? How is that not he, cheating? He, he's, able, he's able to do it. I don't know. It's, a, it's, 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 it's an arm wrestling movie <laughs> about someone who probably didn't know about arm wrestling. Mm. Um, but that's what it is. It's good because it, like, I don't know, it takes it serious in a, in a way. Um, it takes it too serious. Its budget was $25 million. It made $16 million. Do you think you're allowed to, so, like, grease up? Like, what if you enter the room... Like a real slippy hand. I don't know. But I guess wouldn't that, that also make it hard either. for you to? Yeah, it would make say. it very hard for you as well. But you know, yeah. I if you're facing someone going over the top on you, <laughs> apparently it's a lawless land. It, it okay. really yeah, is. There's, there's no referee. Uh, I will say before we head to our break here, though, that in this movie, Sly Stallone does have the one of the best '80s names of all time. 
I've used it for a bunch of things because I think it's really good. Everyone in this movie has like a nickname. Mm. So his name is Lincoln Hawk, which I mean is just <laughs> the best. So he's obviously Link Hawk. Like Wait, that wasn't even then, his nickname? That's his his Christian name is that's Lincoln That's his Christian Hawk? name. <laughs> Lincoln Hawk, yeah. That's his, that's the character's name. So he goes by Link. Uh, Link Hawk. Link Hawk. And I think his son is... All right. I see you I think, Sylvester. Yes. And his, his son's name is... Michael Hawk. No. Hawk? Are you <laughs> yeah. Michael? Like, yeah. You're kidding me. Sean, and I didn't you think guys, you were gonna say it. I, you guys, the, I need the, the, ent- said the entry. Said his name. I, I say his name. I will name. paste. I will paste the text in our in our thing here. The entry is literally that's what it is in. Oh. It says Michael Mike Hawk. This is I put the beat ludicrous. Yeah, please, beat you, you have Richard. to give a goggle stop, which I might have skipped. <laughs> there we go. It's a family program. Gotta go over the top, you guys. Okay. Gotta go over the top. Well, we're gonna need to think about that for a bit. <laughs> we're gonna hear a little word from our sponsors. Go check on that pet rabbit that you're cooking on the stovetop, and we'll be right back on 91.3 FM CJTR Regina Community Radio, tuned into the community. And we're back on 91.3 FM CJTR Regina Community Radio. We'll be back talking 1987 in just a minute, but after we have to play a little game, lovingly called The Game. It's game time, people! For those who don't know, or if you're just tuning in, the game is where I spend literally a half a second this week looking for a title related to our topic that these two have hopefully not seen. I tell them the title, they tell me what they think it's about, I tell them what it's really about, we all have a great time. You guys, you ready to play the game? I'm ready. Yeah. Here we go. This week's title is called In the Mood. That title again, In the Mood. In the Mood. The Mood. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> you go, Sean. Um, in the mood. I believe that it is about a big band conductor <gasps> in in New York. <laughs> um and he is a he, you know, he has a really fun swingy band. Um, but he gets off to a real rocky start with this new trumpet player that joins. She's a young hot shot. Um, you know, she's a fast talker and, um, and he, they do not get along initially, but then they start to develop a friendship and, and, uh, you know, and then they fall in love. Wow. Wow. (laughs) And that's all there is to it. (laughs) Okay. Well, I'm sure there's some other things. Very (laughs) Okay. All right. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Sean. Sanj? Well, since Sean and I have same brain always, mm-hmm. uh, this may sound a little familiar, but it's different. It, it is different. So I think that this is about a, a group of ragtag young people in New York in the, mm, is it the 20s? Is it the 30s? <laughs> no, it's quite sure <laughs> when it might be. Uh, when Glenn Miller's uh, orchestra is really hitting it big in the mood is on mm. everyone's mind. And these kids are like, you know what? Just and because before he's we're been from... lost at, before he's yeah. been lost at war, of course. Exactly. Um, these kids are like, just because we're from a poor tenement housing unit in the in Brooklyn, doesn't mean that we can't be a famous big band too. And so it's about them getting together and trying to form their own big band and emulate Glenn. <laughs> it's very heartwarming. Very well. I love that. Yeah. No, that's nice. That's nice. Uh, you guys, I picked this and then I kind of, uh, maybe regretted picking it after we, after I read what the synopsis was about, wow. uh, you uh, but you, you'll know why I picked it from the way, from what I tell you and what I did to pick it, you'll understand what happened. Um, <laughs> no points. Uh, you're <sighs> both wrong in all ways, shapes, and forms. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this is weird. This is a weird one. I hope y'all are ready. Uh, it's strange. Strapping uh, so in, in the mood. In the Mood, also known as the Woo Woo Kid, okay, uh, is is an a, an eighty seven American comedy film. I don't know if it's a comedy film, um, but it of course tells the story, the real life story of Sonny Wise Carver, who in the forties uh, had two relationships, possibly three, with uh, some married women who were much older than him. Uh, so in the film, he is played by Patrick Dempsey. 
at at the ripe age of fourteen. Oh, uh, and and <laughs> depicts his marriage and a relationship with a twenty one year old mother of two, uh, and they run what? off to Colorado. Yes, twenty uh, one year old mother of two. Yes, and then um, uh, they get arrested and are forced to be separate. And then he gets sent off to live with his aunt, and he meets a 25-year-old wife whose oh, uh, par- partner is off of the war because it takes place in 1944. And um, then, again, he gets arrested and detained and all these things because uh, it's kind of weird. Uh, at the end of the movie, uh, he um, he meets another girl who is actually 15, and then they try and get married uh, three weeks later right at the end. What? Uh, yeah, it's pretty nuts. What is Patrick uh, Dempsey up to? Uh, I he, think he's just working. He is I in think, the mood, man. I think I think the question that you have to ask yourself is what is Sonny Wisecarver? What was he up to? Because uh, mm. this is based on his life, um, which is kind of yeah, it's kind of pretty crazy. Uh, anyway, um, he is known through various media's as the Compton Casanova, the Love Bandit, the L.A. What's this word? Uh, I don't know if I, I'm, well, was it? and then, okay, sorry. And the woo-woo boy uh, or the woo-woo kid. The woo-woo kid. Except you know, thought... if he was, if he was the minor, wasn't he sort of the victim here? No, not, not according to the way this went down, Sanj. Cool, you cool, would think cool. that's the case, but no. Uh, all, anyway, I picked this movie because it uh, was the worst performing of 1987. Mm. Wow. Uh, made why. for $7 million. Made for $7 million, it did not make $1 million. Just Ooh. underneath $1 million. I saw Patrick um, Dempsey's also in, like, a movie I was looking at called Can't Buy Me Love. Yes. Patrick yeah, Dempsey's seen... been out here working. Yeah, Can't Buy Me Love is amazing, though. Like, that is just mm. the best. That's that's why he was a star. I haven't seen uh, it. I was going oh, to. Oh, man. Oh. I forgot. It's, it, it's like, uh, I don't, like, it's it's a, a quintessential uh, 80s uh like, like young teen rom-com yeah it's it's perfect it's nuts well that's it's great fun and he's incredibly charming uh anyway um do you guys think you're playing the game thank you <laughs> thank thank you i think <laughs> yeah thank mm-hmm. you for bringing this thank you for putting tale that to our together <laughs> yeah <laughs> um uh, yeah wow okay okay we're okay. gonna get back into some 87 films um, I'm going to talk about, I watched The Lost Boys for the first time in my life this week. Mm. Have you guys seen The Lost Boys? I haven't. It was another one that I contemplated watching and then didn't. I, I did, but quite some time ago. I guess I, I didn't quite know what it was about, <laughs> I, but I was like, I'm going to watch this. Everyone talks about Lost Boys. And I did, and it was wild wackadoo. Yeah. Um, it opens with like Kiefer Sutherland and his band of uh, of dudes really just treating a, a carousel the way you don't treat a carousel. Everyone is just walking casually throughout the whole thing. I'm like, no one's on a horse. Like everyone's treating it like a like the the stair thing at the mall. Like you can't just decide. Everyone's walking that's like your, shoulder to shoulder. It's crazy. That's your takeaway from that's the thing. That- no, I just right <laughs> off the gut, off the beginning, I was like, now this is not how any of this works. Carousel um, disrespect. No. no, my my takeaway was that I was like, okay, I thought everyone was like, this is a sexual awakening film. Like this is mm-hmm. this is hot stuff. This is eighties dudes that uh, like if I'm a teen, I'm obsessed with this. And I was revolted by every every person <laughs> in this film. All of them look insane. Do you agree or not, Jeremy? They, um, they do look crazy. You are not wrong. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what sect of the eighties this is from. Yes. Uh, but it is like a like it's almost honestly, Sean. Like it might be the missing link between whatever you call the eighties and grunge. Um, like it might be like like I could see them swapping out for like like some flannel in like three years from this look. You yeah. know what I mean? Well, and then as spoiler alert, as they're vampires, they might <gasps> you know they got to be changing their looks ar- around, mm-hmm. turning the wig around. 
mm-hmm. but anyway, it we we meet a family. Diane Wiest uh, brings her two young sons to the murder capital of like the world. It's like she's like we're moving in with Grandpa, and literally he's like. Most people have died here this year, like more than anywhere in the world. And Diane Weiss is like 35 also. Her kids are like teenagers. Um, and um, yeah, it's just, uh, I didn't enjoy. They go to a concert where a man is playing a saxophone in front of a burning barrel. Like it's so 80s. Every part of it is very 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but also, like, yeah. like, also, Sean, like, you gotta, like, at this point, like, if a movie comes out with Kiefer Sutherland, Corey Haim, and Corey Feldman. Both the Corys are in this, which yeah, actually like, was making me feel kind of bummed out, actually. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, no, it's a little sad. But, like, this is a moment for a lot of people. Yeah. You know, like, I like should Christian Slater be on this list? I don't know. Where was he? Where. He was busy. Come on. Maybe where he was at in this whole thing, but um, it is like I think, I think the reason people think of it that way is just because it was like such a superstar-studded movie. I don't, I don't really know. Like Jason Patrick also must have been, like pretty, pretty high up there. So I think it was this like. Uh, well, what's the, what's the Stay Golden Pony Boy? Who is that? What is that film? Stand by me? Did you? No, no. that's from Stay Gold Pony Boy is from The Outsiders. The Outsiders. Yes. Did you think that's what that was from? No, but I was like, there's a gang of of eighties dudes that I was like, I kind of I mixed things up. I don't know what I thought was going to come my way. Sean, in my mind, Stand by Me, The Outsiders, and The Lost Boys are all kind of the same movie in my mind. Yeah, you guys. No, are you <laughs> yeah, serious yeah. right now? I, I just was why. like, there's a gang of of '80s teens that I don't know yeah. what is what. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. You guys, the, the Outsiders takes place in 1965. <laughs> Tossing yes, the goodies. <laughs> they go get soda pops. You can have a soda in the '80s. Come on, you've never had a soda. <laughs> You're probably drinking it's, a soda. It's right regional. Now. It's regional. <laughs> in some places, they call it a pop. In some places they call it a coat, even no matter what it is. Okay, uh, okay. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I didn't know. I didn't know you guys felt that way about this whole situation. <laughs> he's, but, he's reevaluating everything right now. Yeah, you know, because of course, what you know, West Side Story and Little Shop of Horrors are the same. That's the same, right? That's the same. Oh, he's baiting us now. Oh, look at him! I did. Slurp, I did do that. Slurp up that soda too while we're talking. <laughs> Actually, I know it's like an iced tea. Um, okay, Sonia, what else you watched this week? Okay, well, see, this is the thing, is that there are so many that I could have watched that I hadn't seen before, but I just couldn't help myself. After you said you watched it, Sean, I was like, I want to watch it too. Raising Arizona. Yeah. Early Coen Brothers classic. It's just so dang good. Like, it just, yeah. it's, it's very, so it gives, charming. It's very classic. They had it then. They have it now. You can yeah. see you can see all of the Cohen brothers he thinks. So true. Like, oh, a strange man that's like chasing them and it's a comic a comic spree sort of thing. Francis McDormand's there. Francis McDee is popping in. <laughs> um, but I will say that Nick Cage, I was like, are these his two like the films that we watched this week? I'm like, are these Nick Cage's like best actual acting performances? Literally, he's not yes, Kukaluku. He's turning in like, and he's like 22, and he's turning in like really good performances. Mm-hmm. And he's so hot. Like that's the thing. I'm not a Nick Cage girly. I don't really, I don't get the thing that some people have about him where they're like deeply obsessed. But for me, I guess in 1987 is the year that to me he was so hot. Well, he looks. He his look is really cool. Like just the way that they do his hair and the mustache. He's just like a very singular person. Yeah. And yeah, I really like, I really enjoy this character of hi. Hi. Hi, McDonough. So yeah, I mean, I assume people sort of know, but it's basically about a repeat offender, hi, who goes to jail a few times and each time comes across Ed, Edwina, a very adorable Southern cop. They're in Arizona. Um, 
and then basically falls in love with her and then on the last time that he gets out he comes and proposes to her and then they shack up but then very sadly they find out that they can't have children and so when fatefully that is barren which is not a word we use anymore um (laughs) (laughs) faithfully uh the arizona quints are born uh this cheesy furniture store owner (laughs) named something arizona i forget johnny or something uh and his wife give birth to quintuplets and so ed and hi decide that they're going to go steal one because they have more than they can handle and then a whole series of misadventures follow it's very like surreal and heightened and the soundtrack is incredible mm-hmm. and it just is so heartwarming for considering what the plot is <laughs> yeah it is you're really it's really true i like i love the scene the sequence of nick cage trying to steal the baby mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very good i don't I'm, i don't really want i didn't need the biker dude there like like the bounty hunter the bounty hunter it could be whatever i was just like oh and now i guess we're doing this now like that's well the the final i think he kind of has to be the like mythical level villain because technically like high and ed kind of are villains but then you're also rooting for them like the film kind of ropes you into wanting them to be happy but I thought the, that was they're the good of, bad guys, not the bad bad guys. I yeah, thought that, exactly. that role was sort of filled by uh, John John Goodman and the other. Yeah, guys. they're Ooh. also the mid. They're bad guys verging on worst bad guys, but but, but not the worst. Worst yeah. bad guys, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it's Every, just like yeah, everybody funny. sucks to some degree, right? Except mm-hmm. the baby. Yeah, the baby's <laughs> the most charming baby, and everyone falls in love with him. And you know what's trippy is that the baby is the same age as me because this <gasps> is in 1987. <laughs> Whoa. I looked Sean. at that baby's IMDb and he's like, I did one film when I was a baby <laughs> and now I'm like a realtor or whatever. Uh, honestly, that's the way though, because who knows? We, I mean, I feel like showbiz is not good for babies and children. Uh, oh, absolutely is, not. Is he a realtor in Arizona? Um, this, this I don't know. That would oh, okay. be great. T- TJ Kuhn, reach out to us. TJ Kuhn. Great name. <laughs> great name, great uh, film. We we uh we do have to talk about uh Moonstruck before the show ends. Uh, so this is probably a good segue. Absolutely. I am curious though, in terms of hotness, if uh raising Arizona Nick Cage or wooden handed Nick Cage from Moonstruck is the the better because like in Moonstruck there are some like really beautiful crafted cinematic moments like when you first meet him and he's like baking mm-hmm. and a part of me is like like i don't think it was in slow motion but my memory of it might be like maybe <laughs> like, yeah maybe i'll find an unhinged one-armed baker uh that <laughs> treats us the way he treats loretta but Goals. i think for me personally i like a bit more of a goof i was into mm. uh floral shirted crazy haired raising arizona nick <laughs> Hi, More yeah. than extremely intense uh, Moonstruck Nick. Yeah, I got to uh, say enough. the same. I got to say the same. And also his vocabulary in Raising Arizona. Like his like hilarious Southern accent. And then he just pulls out these like $10 words that I love. <laughs> uh, but in Moonstruck, he does have a glow up. They both do. Yeah. Uh, oh. Not not oh. that they re- super needed it. <laughs> no, <laughs> like you want to glow up. Okay, I love the tr- I love the trope um, in movies where you walk by a a window, a store window, and you look at the thing in the window, and then you go inside and you walk out wearing it. I, th- I think that's such a good trope. It never happens in real life because they're like. We don't have any, or like that's the one. I don't know. The only oh, things in store windows are like in the bay. That's what I do with shoes, Sean. That's what I do with shoes. When do you ever see a shoe in a window? Oh, I don't see it in a window, but I do I go in, any. get the new pair, and throw the old ones away. Oh, yeah, right in the garbage. Yeah, um, it's and, likely, and it's just likely the same shoe. So and when she enough. gets that hair makeover, she leaves with like this 
sentient black monster on her hair. It's like <laughs> it's like moving a, like differently from her. It's like an oil monster. It's <clears throat> wild, but I love it. I love it. Um. Okay, Jeremy, do you want to talk about what Moonstruck is about? What's the What's this plot? Uh, Moonstruck is about uh, a lady who is looking for uh, either love or security. Uh, and so, what's the actor who plays the fiance? Oh, I forget. Yeah, he's in everything. Anyway, she says yes, and he has to go take care of his his dying mother, and then uh, request that she get in touch with it's his brother. Yeah. Uh, to see if he can in in like get invited to the wedding, we find out that he's pretty intense and he bakes in a basement and that he's got a wooden hand for which he blames his brother and all of the follies there and after. They kind of uh, have a single meal together, and uh, and it's torrid. It's it's they they can't uh, they can't stay apart. Um, I'm gonna jump to the end where uh, well I guess it's not the the end the end where they go to the opera together and they kind of realize that maybe they have more than more something that way. Mm-hmm. Is that yeah? How do I explain this without spoiling the end of Moonstruck? I mean, we know oh, the everyone end, knows. But... Everyone knows. Everyone knows. Uh, anyway. Uh, they fall in love uh, in what is maybe the best reason to break up with somebody, which is you think that being with them will kill your mother. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but and, also, uh, I'm like, why isn't Ronnie going to visit your mother in Italy as well? <laughs> She's on her deathbed. Sean, he only has one hand. Like, that's the, which clearly is just like, the. I will say when I watched this week, the amount that they just kept his hand off screen yeah. really did annoy me. Like, it's I don't know. It was just like a lazy. Like, what did you want him they, brushing her mane of curls with his wooden hand? Honestly, <laughs> maybe true. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah, that would have been sweet. Yeah. Um, and also, I think, her the brother is like twenty three, and the other brother is like fifty five. But you yes, know, whatever. <laughs> that's, that's the way it goes down. <laughs> uh, I I think the magic of Moonstruck is. The play of Nick Cage and Cher, and Cher won the Oscar um, for Right She Won. Yeah, I think so. For Moonstruck. Yeah. Um, and I think it is both of them overacting so well that it just meet. works. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I've, I've, well, we did the Nick Cage episode years ago. And he does do all of his, like, weird stuff where he's, like, into Kabuki and, like, all of these things he maybe shouldn't be influenced by. But I can kind of see a lot of things here. Like, when Nick Cage flips a table, you don't know that it's going to happen. And then after, you don't know that it did. Mm. I don't think Cher knew it was going to happen. She also was like, so. whoa. <laughs> um, and, like, just their exchanges, like, in that moment where he picks her up and, like, he that swears. So and then it, and Whoa, cuts, that was hot. <laughs> yeah. It cuts yeah, to the same angle. So hot. Is it so hot where she's just like, fine, take she's me like, to the bed. Oh, God. <laughs> like, okay, yeah. Oh, well, all right. <laughs> I don't I don't care anymore. Was, yeah. I think she says. <laughs> because anyway. she was really, because Loretta is such a, like, I do things by the book. And then she's like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> she has to give in. I'm off book. Yeah. Uh, Sean, you have to like augment that voice by doing an impression of someone like, like she did. Like you got to take it a step, but it's still good. <laughs> it's really great. Bobo, leave the car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um, I just yeah. What a what a really fun movie, and also not for nothing, but uh, her mother. The scene is mm-hmm. with her mom. Who knowingly Cher's mother, Cher's dad is cheating on her mother. Her mother fully knows, and she just like is sort of accepting it and like has her own maybe sort of almost dalliance with the younger man. And she turns it down. Like all all of the members of L- Loretta's family are like in this sort of crisis of affairs, basically, mm-hmm. and how each of them handle it. It's. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. And, and Olympia Dukakis plays her mom, and she's so yeah. good. Mm. 
The whole cast is it like even like is it in a deli? There's like little exchanges where they're yelling at each other and gossiping and stuff, and like it is all just super enjoyable. Um, was that in a deli or were they in a restaurant? It's the like probably the people. restaurant maybe. Yeah. Where, where Fraser's dad is keeps yes. getting yes, broken yes, up yes. with. Um. Anyway. Uh. Yeah. It's. I don't know. It's moonstruck. Like it's like that's what it is. Like, when like, um, uh, when there's a full moon over Brooklyn, baby, you never know what's going to happen. True dad. It's true. True. True dad. Deep um, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, I'm really quickly just going to mention uh, a couple. I watched two other movies this week. Uh, Michael J. Fox's Secret of My Success. Really great. Really fun. Uh, really crazy. A little awkward. He sleeps with his aunt. It's really good. Oh no! Uh, yeah, not <laughs> non biological. He didn't know. He didn't know. She didn't know. Uh, and then, of course, RoboCop, uh, which um. is uh, a a piece of of something that is crazy and super inappropriate today, uh, and very unapologetic, uh, which is still kind of fun. Uh, I like RoboCop, and it's got some really good like stop motion stuff going on. A a carb, Robocop. (laughs) (laughs) But it's sort of anti-copaganda, which I like. Yeah, very Um, much. Very much, Sanj. Very much. Well, Jeremy, I'm sorry that we didn't get more time to get into you because... No, that's okay. We hit Moonstruck. That was really the key... The key uh, Key key text. Um, we'd like to thank Saskatoon's and Gary's for letting us use their song Manatuna for our theme song. We'd like to thank everyone here at CJTR and all of you at home for lending us your ears. We're broadcast Wednesdays at 6, Fridays at 3, and are available as a podcast on Spotify, Apple Play, and everywhere else podcasts are played. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So give us a follow. Have a good night. Bye. Bye. See you.